Welcome to Fuel, Sweat, and Science with Dr. Tip. Each week, we're going to take an in-depth look at how to avoid paralysis by analysis from all the fat loss, weight loss, options, noise, and claims out there, and move past a history of failed attempts which may have caused metabolic changes or suppression. I'm your host, Dr. Tiffany Breeding, PhD, fitness nutrition, and strength and conditioning specialist. My goal is to help you learn to balance busy, social, everyday lives while still seeing results and realize that losing weight does not have to be so complicated. Let's do this. Welcome back, folks. It is Dr. Tiff, and today we are going to talk about ketogenic, low-carb, a variety of different approaches, but specifically these new approaches that really hone in on restriction of glycogen, blood glucose levels, how that affects us in the short term. Also in the long term, that research is a lot more scant, which I think makes these approaches still a little bit innovative and questionable. Not to say that low-carb or ketosis is a new concept in general. It's been used for managing epilepsy for years, but it is new in the sense of utilizing that as a weight loss mechanism. And so still seeing the long-term impacts have left some people a little bit on the fence as to whether it is a really healthy approach to the more short-term benefits of getting weight off quickly, which it does. And so when we talk about ketosis, and this is such a buzzword, the keto, all the marketing around it. Ketosis at its very root definition is 5% intake from carbohydrate sources. So if you're looking at the totality of your calories in a macronutrient distribution, carb, fat, and protein carbohydrate is only coming from 5% of your calories and fat from 75% protein somewhere in the 10 to 15% range. And those can be adjusted minimally, but that in general is the definition of a ketogenic macro distribution. In comparison, someone that's just following a low-carb lifestyle usually is ranging somewhere between 5 and 10%. If you're looking at it in grams, which is what I do with my clients, we're looking at grams of carbohydrate. Net carbs on a ketogenic diet are about 25 grams a day. And a comparison of that would be a medium apple. So essentially, if you ate the carbohydrate equivalent of a medium apple a day, that's all you get in the day. So what's the point of this? Is it because carbohydrate is the enemy like you hear a lot of times? No, but what it does do is provide the body its main fuel source, which is glycogen. So as we eat food, specifically carbohydrate, Our glucose levels rise, our body turns that into glycogen, which is the source of energy that our body relies on for the majority of its function and and its physical activity, muscle contraction, function of vital organs, these things. When you deplete or restrict or remove carbohydrate 
for an extended period of time such that your stores of glycogen that have built up over time are depleted. Your body then has nothing to produce glycogen from. It has no glucose in its system to produce glycogen. And so it seeks out fats, fats from the foods you consume, fats from stored energy, and it converts fats into ketone bodies. Ketone bodies are in and of themselves a very high quality fuel source. So it's not to poo-poo on ketones or glycogen's better. In many ways, ketones are preferred fuel source. Our brain prefers ketones. Mitochondria derives very quality energy from ketones. But what we have to be careful of is that you have to complete the process. And what I see with a lot of clients is they kind of do keto. They're not eating enough carbohydrate to have quality fuel from enough glycogen, enough glucose. They're not feeding their body enough, but they're not restricting carbohydrate enough to be in ketosis. So what they find is they're in the middle space there, the upside down for you Stranger Things fans, they're in the upside down. They don't have enough carbs. They aren't producing ketones. So then they just feel funky. They're not performing in workouts. They don't have the cognitive clarity. They don't have the energy to be present for the demands of their day-to-day. But yet, Again, they're not producing ketones on this other side. So they're also not seeing the benefit from a weight loss standpoint because they haven't transitioned over to where they're burning up that fat for fuel. So I think that what's important to me at the end of this episode, at the end of this message is that you understand the parameters, the requirements, and the specifics if you want to try keto. It's not that it's not successful. It certainly is. And I have had some clients go through that process with me and they have lost a significant amount of weight, almost 100 pounds, one more than that. But then you have to transition yourself back out of it. So I think the other important thing to think about when you try a highly aggressive, restrictive elimination type of diet like keto is that you want to make sure Once you get to goal, once you've reduced body fat levels, once you've really got yourself in a maintenance mode from a weight standpoint, to transition out and start slowly and incrementally adding carbohydrate back in at a slow rate, letting your body adapt so that you don't have that immediate response that is inevitable when you reintroduce glycogen to your system. It's then going to transition back the other way. And be patient. A little spike in weight from adding carbs is okay. Stay the course and just make sure that you're monitoring that. The other question that I get a lot because of the high fat intake of ketosis or of keto, meaning you're at 75% of your calories from fat, what about cholesterol? What about the repercussions of eating that amount of fat? 
And I think that's where it's a quality quantity discussion and an important, important discussion. Eating some red meat, having some cheese, some ranch dressing, some bacon and eggs in the morning. That is absolutely fine. It's just like any approach, right? It's not a hundred percent. You know, when you do any kind of a diet or any kind of nutritional program to be able to work in some things you enjoy, some indulgences, some higher calorie foods. But on the whole, you want to bring the focus to the healthier, unsaturated fats, the more beneficial fats that are giving you some of those omega-3s and things that your body can really utilize avocados, salmon, nuts, whole eggs, some good red meat here and there, things that you're deriving high quality fats from. And then the supplemental fats are a little dressing on your salad that's not olive oil based or snacking on something that has a little bit more saturated fat in it. So There has not been a lot, again, of long-term research to show us, but what I would say is the benefits of the significant amount of weight that you will lose doing this type of approach is going to be more beneficial than the potential offset of a bit higher cholesterol because cholesterol is also correctable. Right. So if you're reducing insulin sensitivity, if you're reducing body weight, if you're taking load off your joints, if you're getting your blood sugar in check, if you're impacting your medication management, if you're getting mental clarity from having better energy and sleeping better and offsetting sleep apnea that might be an effect of overweight or obesity, those are all very important side effects Whereas the high fat intake, the cholesterol is important to be monitoring. But I think if you find that right balance and you're mindful of the sources of fat you're using to get to that 75% of total calories, then it can be very effective. I think the other thing that we have to look at is protein because if you're not getting, well, in calories in general, if you're in too much of a calorie deficit on keto, your body does take into account utilizing some amino acids slash protein slash muscle for fuel because, again, you've removed glycogen and there's only two other options, gluconeogenesis, which is the creation of new glucose from non-carbohydrate sources. So long story short, you don't eat carbs. You're not getting enough calories in general to derive energy. Your body's going to start finding energy from non-carbohydrate sources. And one of those main sources is amino acids, protein, which is your muscle mass potentially. So if you're in too much of a calorie deficit on keto, it may not be fats only that your body starts to look for to find fuel. So you still have to know how many calories your body needs just to survive and function, regardless of the distribution that, you know, 5%, 75%, 15%. 
You still have to get enough calories in the day. So making sure you have someone knowledgeable and there's some science behind knowing how much your body needs to fuel your workouts, fuel your total daily energy expenditure. And then once you figure out that calorie need, then you take those and distribute them in a keto type of distribution percentage wise. But if you think about the difference in keto and low carb, you are eating a more moderate amount of fat, moderate amount of protein and low carb on a low carb approach as compared to a ketogenic approach. And I think to looking at is keto a lifestyle you can maintain for most people I would argue it's not I think that there are people that do modified keto where they allow themselves some breaks in the restriction of it and feed their body some carbs every two weeks every 10 days whatever their cycle is so that they're also making sure hormone levels are staying in check. A lot of that is around having some carbohydrate or at least a break in a calorie deficit. That's the case with any diet where, again, there's adaptation that happens. Hormone levels are affected by fat loss, by weight loss, by calorie restriction, by the nutrient quality and quantity that you're feeding your body. So having a break in that at any level is really positive. So I think it's important that we look at that as well. When we look at lifestyle management, I think if you really think about a more natural way to induce ketosis is through the night, if you stop eating four or five hours before bed and you sleep through the night fasted, and you get up the next morning, your body will go into some level of ketosis in the evening hours as you sleep. Is it important to really, and I see that that with intermittent fasting as well, there are a lot of intermittent fasting protocols that would be a 14-hour fast. Well, I would argue if I stop eating dinner or food in general at 7 p.m., and I wake up and I do my morning routine and I maybe push breakfast back to nine o'clock in the morning, I've given myself a 14-hour fast and I haven't really had to adjust my day in a significant way. I haven't put any potential detriment to my workout. I haven't affected my performance quality. I haven't been able to, or excuse me, I haven't had to say no to brunch or lunch or a cupcake with my daughter at her birthday party because this is not my feeding window. So if you are interested in one of these more aggressive, more restrictive approaches that affect more specifically times you can eat, types of foods you can eat, flexibility in a menu or a meal choice, then I would argue, are there other ways to get the same impact without having to go so extreme with it? And I think keto is one of those that you can get some of that induced effect at night just by managing when you cut off meal times and when you eat again after sleep 
breaking that fast. And intermittent fasting is another of those where if you just had a normalized eating pattern and then just cut off the faucet and pushed your breakfast back a little bit, maybe that will give you at least some benefit of getting into fat storage utilization by creating a bit of a deficit or a depletion of glycogen just through that metabolic process. So, you know, I think that all of these approaches work. And we buy, does keto work? Does low carb? What about fasting? All of it works. The science is there. I will not question that. I will not argue the validity of the results, the successes that people have with it. I think that these are situations that are very personal and individualized about the choice that someone makes, what is going to work with their lifestyle, looking at the whole picture, what are the important things in my life? Is it important that my family eats dinner together most evenings? Is it important that I can be social and enjoy a glass of wine or a cocktail with my colleagues when we celebrate a victory at work? Is it important that if it's my mom's birthday and she wants to have brunch with me that I can do that? Is it important to me that I can maintain a high quality of performance in my morning workouts? Where do I need to position my feeding, my food, my pre and post workout? All of those things, I think you need to do an audit of your life and do a cost-benefit analysis of this approach, this diet, what it requires of me, do your homework on the science and the research of it, and don't just kind of do keto or kind of do intermittent fasting because those are the situations that I find have backfired because you're in the bardo, you're in the upside down of I'm not in ketosis, I'm not doing low carb, I'm kind of doing intermittent fasting, but I'm flexible with myself. And then there's more impact to the metabolism because you're confusing the system. You have to just be consistent with whatever approach you take, commit to the process, learn the ins and outs, learn the risks and the benefits and make that decision. So And I think that with anything is finishing that process, like I said, with keto is coming back out of that, getting into a more normalized distribution and pattern, because I think my biggest beef with keto is the limitation on fruits and veggies, because it's really hard for me to advocate any approach that essentially removes those simply because of the restriction on the carbohydrate intake. And it's really hard to work in a lot of fruits and veggies. The veggies are easier, but you still can't eat a massive volume of them. But the fiber is helpful there because if you're looking at net carbs, net carbs means taking total carbohydrates. So let's say that medium apple has 25 total carbs. 12 grams of fiber. So the net is 12, 13 carbs in that because fiber is non-soluble. Our body, it doesn't impact blood sugar levels. So if you look at what a diabetic typically utilizes when they're counting carbs is the net because they're only interested in the portion of that carbohydrate source that's impacting blood sugar and thus insulin levels. And so If you're just looking at 
from a strictly nutrition, quality, nutrient value standpoint, an approach that limits fruits and veggie intake, I have a hard time getting behind. But there are a lot of really low-carb veggies that you can really be strategic and optimize. So again, it's doable. But I love fruit, so I could never do it because I don't want to not be able to eat fruit if I want fruit. I love big veggie stir fries. I love those foods. And I think that's also what it comes down to a lot of these approaches. It's a preference thing, right? So if I crave the fattier foods and the fattier proteins, that's a really good, probably successful, doable approach for somebody that craves the red meats and the nuts and the avocados and the satiation that comes with whole milk dairy. Somebody that tends to like the lighter fare, the lower fat, higher carb approach that was and in many ways still is popular in a lot of camps, then that's probably just not something that's going to jive with your preferences and your palate. So again, I think it's like anything, you know, you got to love it. You got to buy into it. You got to drink the Kool-Aid, but go all in and commit to the process and ride the wave and finish the process, no matter what you decide is a right approach for you. So hopefully that helps to just kind of way if we're you know we're on our balance here low carb do i want to eat some carbohydrate but have more moderate fat and protein intake and will i have enough energy with that low carb what is my workout regimen and i think that's important too is like what are you trying to fuel with that if you're fairly sedentary or you prefer lower impact activity you're more of a walk and do some restorative yoga and you don't burn a lot of glycogen and it's not something where you're going to see an impact on energy levels, somebody that's doing more endurance, high intensity, long duration training, the carbohydrate source or keto, where you're getting full in there and benefiting from the ketones, is probably going to be more beneficial than a low-carb approach. But Somebody that, you know, like I said, if you're willing to get through that transition, they call it the low carb flu, where you're kind of transitioning from low carb or carbohydrates to ketones, then you're going to start benefiting from that level of energy. But also, again, understanding what's the fat protein distribution on low carb versus keto so that you keep your balance there and you're not putting yourself in such a deficit to be utilizing muscle tissue and losing your lean mass because there goes your metabolism in general when you start to lose lean mass because that's the basis of our metabolism. When we look at basal metabolic rate, the biggest variable driving basal metabolic rate is lean muscle or lean mass, muscle being one of those components. And so we don't want to start depleting that by being in too much of a deficit because that's going to make the sustaining of that weight loss and the long-term impacts even more important. So Hope this was helpful. Just do your homework like always. It's my mantra with everything. I don't have the answer to everything. I can share the science. I can share my opinion. I can share what I see and have seen as the pros and cons. But you just need to be an informed consumer so that you're thinking long term. Because if you just stay in horse blinders on this is what I want now what's going to happen down the road. So go ahead and play it all the way out and decide, yes, it's worth that. Yes, I'm willing to go 
all the way through this, and then you'll never make the wrong decision. All right, guys, have a great one. Talk to you on the next episode.